So, so yeah. And what's up with girls, huh? Could you be friends with a girl? Do you think? My name is Dan, and I'm Alistair. Welcome to a special edition of Digest My Shorts. Mm, into season. Into season. So we've done the June episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're following that up with. We thought we we would watch a show that was concurrent with Contem- the Sim- contemporaneous. Contemporaneous with the season of The Simpsons that we just watched. Yep. Um, and we went with Seinfeld. Oh, an award-winning episode of Seinfeld. That was how we picked it. Yeah. Season one. Yeah. Um, it had a similar release to The Simpsons. In fact, yeah. the first episode was released first, and then obviously, the first, sorry, the what, first episode. What about the second? <laughs> the first episode was released bef- a long time before the okay. following season. Sure. The rest of the season. But so a, a pilot. It had a pilot. Yeah, it had a pilot. Yeah. Um, now we neither of us have seen Seinfeld. No, that was my first. Seinfeld experience. Yeah, and I, I had always kind of felt that there was a gap in my cultural knowledge. Yeah, yeah, same. Because uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that I like are in Seinfeld. Father Ted's, like Graham mm-hmm. Linehan and Arthur Matthews, they rave about Seinfeld. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I don't know. How about you? Um, no, I think I knew it as a cultural t- touchstone, but I don't really have a any particular links to it. Um, I've seen a few episodes yeah. of um, Larry David. Yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen much of it, but I have enjoyed what I've seen of that. Yeah. I, um, oh, and there's obviously yeah. Ricky Gervais. He's very influenced by that style. I know you don't like Ricky Gervais, but... Oh, no, I don't. He's, he's, a, he's a prevalent comedian yeah. who is influenced by by Larry David and presumably Seinfeld. So That's fair to say. Whether you like him or not, he's, he's there. I wouldn't argue that he is objectively bad. <laughs> Okay, this particular episode, do you think you can encompass everything that happened in 20 seconds? Or do you think <laughs> there will be 10 seconds and then 10 seconds of silence? Um, I, I think I can do it. I bet you can. All right. Go. There we go. Okay, well, you didn't need 20 seconds, did you? No. Right, no, what happened in this was that Seinfeld said some hilarious stand-up stuff, and then he met a girl he liked, and then he uh, worried about the fact that he met her while he was with, with his ex as a friend, and then they talked about it and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> in front of a live studio audience. Um, I really didn't enjoy it. and I No, I didn't enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I was adamant that this is on me. I couldn't say that Seinfeld is bad because obviously it. Has... I couldn't say it was bad because so many people I like quite hold it in such high regards, yeah. and to the point where I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, absolutely. But I suppose our tastes were forged in different fires than the one than the people who enjoyed that at the time. It mm. hasn't, and it hasn't aged well no. at all. Maybe it gets better. Yeah, I suppose if you watched a lot. But you wouldn't watch a lot if you didn't. Get home from that episode. I wouldn't watch more. (laughs) Yeah. So I could not, I couldn't reconcile myself with the format of him doing a little bit of that, that stand up, which stand up isn't really like that anymore. That was kind of, there wasn't a brick wall, but it was that end of the 1980s 
you know, man in front of a brick wall saying what's up with airplane food style of comedy. <laughs> it was observational humour to its shallowest level. I wrote down, right, he, they, there are three bits he did. He did a tight five on women finding checkbooks. Those women. <laughs> Those women and their checkbooks. Uh, uh, he did a bit about Plato coming, inventing the platonic relationship, which was actually factually incorrect. Platonic relationship, as far as it refers to Plato, doesn't refer to the nature of the relationship being sexless, but being platonic, meaning the highest form of. Anyway. Well, I just learned something. Thank you. I know, and I kind of wanted to say that to Seinfeld, and then I thought, God, I'm really part of the YouTube generation. So I hated that about myself. And then his (laughs) third bit... The thing I can say, Seinfeld, is it made me hate myself. (laughs) Yeah, quite. And then the third bit was about... um, Exes. Actually, I, I waited. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, that was. Yes, it was basically being friends with an ex is like two Knowing magicians. all their tricks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was all right. It was all right. I mean, Christopher Nolan did it better in um, in The Prestige, but. Yeah. You know, he, he, he took three hours there. to do it, whereas Jack, as Seinfeld did took, it in a, a tight five. Tight five. Yeah. It, um, right. Before we get on to the minutiae. Um, there are a lot of names in this episode, and I couldn't tell whether most of them were character names or references that <laughs> I just didn't get. So I have written down the names are Jerry Seinfeld. That's a given. Yes. Okay. We also had Elaine, Pamela, George, Vanessa, Lonnie Anderson, Rich Little, and Cougar Mellencamp. Now, and uh, Art Vandelay. And Art Vandelay. And I know George was that guy. That was right. Kramer as well. Was and mum and dad who didn't have names. Is right, Lonnie Anderson. Do you think that is a character from Seinfeld or a real person or both? <laughs> <laughs> because from all of the context, her name, his or her name, came up four or five times, and I could not tell whether I was supposed to know who it was. Maybe it's like that woman from Frasier, who uh, Niles's wife, who is. Off-reference. Well, the, yes, exactly I've never right. seen. Yeah, because they're basically people were comparing the off-screen love interest, Vanessa, Pamela, Vanessa, with Lonnie Anderson. Alice is reading off a list. Yeah. And the gaps are him leaning over. <laughs> well, I can't see through my wine. Um, yeah. Oh, ay yeah. Uh, Rich Little. I'm sure that they made a joke about, who am I? Rich Little? Which was such a 90s way of making a joke. Who am I? Aretha Franklin? But I'm sure Rich Little was the actor in Navy Seal, you wouldn't know. I have no idea. Right, fair enough. But, you know, again, on-screen character, off-screen, real person. Uh, this is nitpicking, but it, it's that, those, that's all my notes. Well, that could be one of the reasons that we didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Maybe all these references. They made a joke about Cocoon too. <laughs> Did you notice that they were in a video store? Like when you know, when you're hanging out with your ex, you just hang out in the video store. What's a video store. Well, it's where they rent VHSs. Oh, VHS like, like Netflix, but in a but chill. <laughs> oh, but yes, uh, Elaine, I think it is, uh, picked up Cocoon too and said, "Cocoon too, didn't they like it up there?" Don't get it. Don't get it. <laughs> I know. It just compared to The Simpsons, which is from the same time. This has not aged well. One of my 
up one of the, the problems I uh, anticipated with The Simpsons was the amount of reference humour would be inaccessible. And to The Simpsons' credit, I didn't find that the case with season one. Whereas this, Mr. Mister Jerry Seinfeld making Cocoon 2 jokes, <laughs> just, oh, oh, it's not so much it went over my head, it's just that it sat still in front of me and didn't move. You'd hope that even if you didn't get the reference, you could get the joke from the context. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry, um, Larry David, and much to a much lesser extent, Jerry Seinfeld, but I did not, um, did not enjoy your show. Julia Dreyfus? Julia Louis? Louise Dreyfus? Yes. Louis or Louis or Louise? I don't know. Um, she obviously goes on to be in Veep, doesn't she? Yeah, and, and, and lots of things. Yeah. yeah, she's good in Veep. And, uh, well, and SNL. Her SNL days are, ah, chef kiss. Oh, really? I listened to a uh, podcast with her and Mark Maron. Sure. Podcast is he podcasts. Um, she didn't enjoy it on SNL. She said... Uh, very blokey. Yeah. Oh, blokes on coke. That was, I think, the, uh, the main I, vibe. I completely believe it. But she does shine through. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. I couldn't help notice that at a couple of points, Mr. Seinfeld had a inner monologue recorded in an echoey way. I wonder if that was a regular for the series. Yeah. And a lot of seasons, the series would have that as a... I think we got used to friends set the bar for having everything on stage. There's a certain term for it, but you have nothing which doesn't exist for the people in the world. I'm not sure what you mean. Um, so, so everything that you and I here experience is everything that the viewers of our show would experience. Okay. Which is a difference, say, from having where you have a voiceover or a okay. dream sequence or something which, uh, if it happened to me, you, Dan, wouldn't know about it, but the audience would. Okay. But Friends did a really good job of, I think, for the main part, I think there are a couple of exceptions, but having everything on stage at the same time. So they had nothing um, unreal happen. No dream sequences, no... Oh, I see yeah. Okay. And I wonder whether we've got used to that. As we've got used to not having... Um, live studio audiences anymore. Uh, I find that out, I think. Mm. It, I, I quickly forgot about it. It jarred at the beginning, but you're right, by yeah. the end it may have. But, oh, yes. Um, well, with laugh tracks, mm-hmm. I'm okay with them. I can I can generally tune them out. Yeah. Because I think they were, that's what I grew up with. Sure. Um, whereas my friend Steph, who is five years younger than me, mm-hmm. She finds it hard to drain out the. Uh, she she finds laughter tracks really difficult to ignore. I do now because I watch so little television. When I look back at something like Black Books, which I love, I kind of think, "Gosh, I can't believe that that is in the segment of normality where, of course, you have a live studio audience." I find it with the Alan Partridge has live studio audience. Yes, that, the... I've never no, never watched the the sitcom. So really, well, I've maybe watched one or two episodes. I really don't like, like it. Yeah, oh, that's, that's interesting. Because Budget is really good. But weirdly, for someone who does a podcast about watching TV, I'm not a TV person. So I'm not a modern TV person. No, or a Seinfeld TV person. <laughs> Evidently, <laughs> uh, I felt really bad. I felt really bad about not. Just not laughing once. You did laugh once. I laughed once. Yeah, and what's it was the, the point that the, what's the um, best gag? Yeah, well, the, 
I laughed and none of the audience laughed. So I don't even know if it was a gag. Um, but yeah, Seinfeld was hoping to meet this this woman who was a lawyer. And he was basically asking his parents, what's the best way of finding out um, if a certain lawyer works at a, a firm? And his dad just says, well, you need a lawyer? Right. And I thought the way he said it was really funny. Oh, that was that was that joke. was the gag. Yeah. Oh gosh, I thought that was really funny, and no one else laughed. So I don't think mm. it was meant to be a gag. No. Of course, recently there was that thing Seinfeld rejected Kesha a hug, three hugs, three separate individual drawn out hugs on the red carpet. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think that reflected worse on him or her? I've only just seen this. Uh-huh. Alistair just literally showed it to literally. me. Literally. Yeah, um, when you said when we said not hanging a lampshade on it. <laughs> I can't pretend I know these things. Fair enough. I thought, he was, I thought he was quite polite about it. Well, well, that's the thing, is... Yes, I wouldn't know who Kesha was. and that's But that's not the point. Mm. It's the fact that if someone comes up and give, offers you a hug, not to feel the social pressure to reciprocate shouldn't be an issue. I thought he was very polite about it. Yes. Actually, I've got a question about Seinfeld. Okay. Um, how old are they meant to be? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say early th- I think younger than me, older than you. Okay. Yeah. But it's difficult to tell because they look so... So dated. Aren't they? <laughs> they look so dated that they look like they're in their mid forties. Because obviously, yeah, obviously it's they, they just look. If they were here now, you would go. You haven't changed your hairstyle since nineteen ninety. Mm. Oh, it's really. And how I, did Sonny like get that haircut? You mean how can anyone reach because he's so tall? I don't know what 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 on earth do you mean? He's got a weird haircut. Did he have to blow dry that shit? I don't know. I right. I had kind of not Jerry curls tall but when I was when you remember when we lived in New Zealand yes yeah no I would wear my bowler hat walking around uh, Wellington which is it's not humid exactly but it's warm and windy in kind of equal measure when I took my it's not humid because the wind blows all the humidity away but that would be why and the one day that I lived in Wellington it wasn't windy the stickiest day of my life. Quite. There we go. So, yes. Yes, exactly. But, yes, when I stopped wearing my hat, I suddenly realised that over a few days, my hair had become like loose jerry curls. Oh, So, maybe... Uh, was it like um, Stan Laurel's hair from Laurel and He takes his hat off and it's all sticky-uppy. No, but the, I think what I would go for to describe it would say, it ain't a perm, it's a temporary. But uh, maybe Seinfeld did something like that. Okay. Wore a hat in Wellington. <laughs> um, Is that whenever he's not on screen, he's wearing a hat in Wellington. In Wellington. Um, no, I, I love the I amount of detail they went in. It was not necessary, but they went for it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. I. I. Actually, but the thing is, no, no, no. I was going to say uh, around that time I was looking at, uh, I was watching stand up. That's not true at all because this is 1990. I was about nine. But not ten years later, I was watching a lot of stand up live stand-up. People have definitely moved on in style. That observation thing, I suppose it's part of the New York thing as well. Mm. Um, I'm not super familiar with early 90s stand-up. I think my only point of reference is probably Bill Hicks. 
Yeah. And even then, I haven't listened to Bill Hicks in years. No. Um, uh, I think he's one of those... I don't know. I mean... Well, he was kind of breaking ground a bit more by challenging stuff in a way which... Well, the best will in the world, I'm sure Jerry Seinfeld wasn't trying to do. Jerry, uh, some of that stuff uh, that he did in this episode, some of his delivery was a little more modern than, you know, I can still see it surviving today, but it was quite dated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, my housemate in the house um, put on a an Eddie Murphy DVD once. And, Great. Um it was one of those like it was one of those shows everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a classic stand-up show. Mm. Dated so badly, and as someone who's never seen an Eddie Murphy stand-up, didn't get it. Yeah, wasn't into it. And that's the that's the kind of vibe I got off Jerry's. Well, there is that. It's not a golden age at all. It is like, well, <laughs> coat up blokes, isn't it? Well, I was going to say the brown age, but that has racial overtones. But I kind of, I just mean a. I think we should edit that bit out. No, no, no. I, I, I'm trying to find an analog. It, it's like the the lead age of comedy that people often make jokes about with the whole, you know, white people walk like this, but black people walk like this, and what about airplane food? And these go-tos, which really represent this end, mid, mid to the end of the 80s style of comedy. And it is observational humour, which is just so uh, shallow. Mm. I, I've never seen the B movie except on a YouTube video where someone sped the film up uh, by two every time someone said the word B. Yeah. The film's about eight minutes long. It well, gets to a point where it's just. You're, you're saying this as if I haven't seen maybe a dozen B movies. I've never. I have not watched it in full. Uh, and you were not well placed to make that wait, kind of judgment. Wait, on it. wait, but I have seen so many. Varieties of it intercut or sped up um, or mixed with. Um, hang on, we'll be back in two minutes. Okay, so now you're familiar with uh, the B movie and uh, We Are Number One, just completely incidentally. Your we're, thoughts? We Are Number One is quite a good song. Thank you. At last, what the internet didn't have the, the guts to say. Just a cheeky scar song, wasn't it? It was a cheeky scar song from a children's program. Yeah, I like cheeky scar. Um, so, did you prefer it mixed with every time they said one, it was replaced with the whole B movie in a second, or we are number one, but you are someone we used to know? I think it was called. No, you're just somebody that used to know. Yeah, that's a good song as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't get means the B movie thing. I. Was there a reason that those two were mixed together? Or is it just because they're both like meme material that someone thought would be funny to mix together? Yeah, I think both those memes happened independently, but it took nanoseconds for the internet to go. Well, internet. It's, it's not funny. Well, it's but it's reference humor, isn't it? Oh, I hate reference humor. I hate reference humor, but it is that thing of these people made a joke. If I make the same joke but slightly different, I'll be part of that clan. It, it's the new uh, oh, tribal. Go home. It's tribal identification. It used to be done with linguistics. Now it's done with just whole piecemeal jokes or movie references. I hate that. I know, right? Every time Yoda is in something which isn't Star Wars, it diminishes both Star Wars and the thing that he's in. Star Wars is being used for advertising and so many products. Exactly. 
the brand is totally diminished. Exactly. That's that's my point. We... Uh, which is weird because it's not reflective of the current films. The yeah. current films and the original films are good. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, it's weird that the... he's watered the brand so much. Was he worth bringing back in episodes two and three? Where you know he, they could have not mentioned him at all. No. Well, no one was worth bringing back. Did Poor <laughs> yeah. Samuel Samuel Jackson. Yeah, it was worth bringing him back. You know, because he was in the original. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, we've gone off Jerry Seinfeld a bit. But we have a little bit. Do you think he should be proud of the B movie because not because it was a good film because by all accounts it's not, but because it had like this little mimetic revival? No. Okay. I think he should be proud of the B movie. It's good if it's good. I don't think it is. I don't know. I've never seen it. I can't judge. I've seen it very quickly. <laughs> I've seen it very quickly many times now. <laughs> right. uh, in terms of memes, the meme movie. The meme movie? Right. Give me an elevator pitch for the meme movie. I mean, this is relevant. One, because I'm uh, going to be starting a podcast very soon about this very idea of uh, elevator pictures. But also because the emoji movie has probably already come out and failed. The, it, the, emoji movie. the emoji movie is about what it's like to be an emoji. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> I know, right? Internet. Next thing you'll be telling me there's a Transformers movie. Oh, I think there's more than one. There was one in the 80s. I know that much. Oh, actually, um, I was at work the other day and someone was complaining to me that Transformers movies are rubbish. Mm-hmm. I just had to tear around to them. What were you expecting? <laughs> well, you go go to a Transformers film thinking this is going to be quite good. I have to hold my hands up, okay? Because when the first Transformers movie came out, I don't have any childhood link to it. I never saw a TV series. My parents couldn't afford Transformers toys. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We had, we had my parents disagreed with them, but um, I asked a colleague at work whether the new Transformers movie was any good, and she said, "Well, if you like Fast Cars and Fast Women," and I was like. I like Fast Cars and Fast Women, but I like to think that I was coming from a time when action movies, which you could describe as having Fast Cars and Fast Women, were just cheesy, enjoyable stuff. Like the That's Di- a Fast and the Furious film, Like right? the Die Hard films, you know. Yeah. When I saw Transformers, I was like, oh, I really get what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there, is just, there is no content, but to a deeper level of no content. Mm. You know, Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Stands up as a film you can watch. It's not, I it's, really like that film. Yeah, but it's not. It's not going to set the world on fire or influence culture. No, no. But there is no. There's nothing diminishing about it. It's good. The characters are good. They're funny. They got you know. There's a good camaraderie between them. Yeah. The plot's enjoyable. I mean, it's bonkers, but yeah. And I think there's something for nice. Well, like any pre CGI action films. Is that there's that fun aspect of that's someone actually doing a stunt. Yes. I, I, Which I think is lost yeah. in action films now, where you get the Transformers, and even if it's rubbish, like those old action films, you can watch like an old Jackie Chan film, like, the plot is rubbish, yeah. but Jackie Chan's doing a stunt, and that's enjoyable, it's fun watching him do a stunt. Oh, absolutely. I'm not on air going to criticise Jackie Chan. I like Jackie yeah. Chan. Yeah. Um, no, I like him for that. Like, it's, the plots aren't great, but the stunts actually, are good. They're enjoyable, they're fun, they're well thought out, and they're clever. And it's the same with Bruce Willis. Even his worst films, he seems like a likeable, genuine guy. Yeah. yeah there's, some, there's something about he is the man at the coal face of making films. You know, mm. he's a working stiff who just, you know, what he does for a living is, is roll out of cars. Yeah. 
Um, and it's but even if it's a stunt double, you're like someone's still rolled out of that car. <laughs> yeah. but I think that's really cool. I really <laughs> they set fire to someone. <laughs> set fire to someone. And I I really like that. And I think that's what's lacking in from the B movie. From the B movie. <laughs> no, th- films like Transformers, where it's I think it's all CGI. And if someone does a cool stunt, I think that, I think it's the same way. Superhero films. Well. Someone does a cool stunt. Someone didn't do that. That was a CGI. I know it's just the skill in itself, animation skills, but doesn't well, me. don't get me started on superhero films because I mean, even the best ones of the last few years. I was talking to a child, okay, who wasn't familiar with a time where there were films that weren't superhero films. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like he couldn't appreciate that you might have films that you liked that weren't about superheroes, mm. which is just weird because. It, uh, the first one, it probably Spider-Man One, kickstarted this a new genre of superhero films. I think it's probably X-Men. Probably going back further. Yeah, but that that had more of a, a standalone feel. And when they made a, another one, they're like, "Oh, they're doing another film about the X-Men." Whereas when you watch Spider-Man, the original, well, not the, the Tobey Maguire. I like that one. I, oh yeah, I yeah, yeah. Sure. Watch that. Actually. But you kind of walk out of the cinema waiting for the next, waiting for the sequel. It like it, it was franchise building, mm. and then yeah, you know, by the time uh, Captain America came along, you were just like googling as you left the theater what <laughs> who everyone was. Well, no, but what the next one would be because mm. uh, you know it wasn't just already in production; it was already being promoted. Yeah, I I enjoyed Captain America two, yeah. and then I watched Captain America three, and it wimped out on the ending there was no ending mm. and it really frustrated me see I hated Captain America 1 sufficiently that I didn't watch 2 which everyone said everyone said it was good and I was like yeah but I don't watch many films why should I put... I've seen a superhero recently I don't I really don't need to watch another one I hated Captain America 1 and Thor 1 so much mm. to the point that I I slept through most of Thor 1 I think. it's because it's rubbish mm-hmm. um, but I didn't watch the Avengers because of them and then it was only when I watched Avengers like, this is actually good. That was the good one, yeah. It's actually good, and I was annoyed that I didn't see it when it came out, because I wish yeah. I'd watched that instead of Captain yeah. America and but Thor. But I don't know why people like you, and more importantly me, because I have control over myself, are going back to see more and more of these films. I stopped, I gave up. Yeah. But, I watched the, the yeah. Captain America 3 film, I watched that, and then I was, I was like, you know what, I'm done with this endless, yeah. no ending. It made me realise that Nerd culture, which I'm part of and I you know, embrace, are more dismissive or aggressive about you if you haven't seen Superman versus Batman, for instance, even though it's acknowledged as a bad film. Whereas if you said, "Oh well, I haven't haven't read Tolstoy," they would go, "Well, you know, Tolstoy." You know, mm-hmm. there there is more of a if you have kind of nerdy geeky friends, there is more of a um, that's a stigma. About yeah. being uneducated, about the lowest culture, the most dismissive like base, base culture. I don't think that's. I think that's an unfair. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with a good superhero movie. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that um, we are supposed to have familiarity and mm. know all the bits of, of the of the bad ones as well as the good ones. Yeah, that that's something that annoys me. Isn't it annoying about comics? Sure. And this is one of the things that's been translated into these cinematic universes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that in order to understand a film, it's like, if you watch The Avengers, you need to watch 
all the other films leading up to it. Yeah. Even St- the rubbish ones. <laughs> Stan Lee, how are you going to capture your magic from the page onto screen? Well, I'm going to make it so that no one can get away without knowing all the background details. Yeah. You yeah. have to watch You have to watch Thor. You've got to watch Ant-Man. Yeah. You've got to watch Captain America 1. Yeah. You've got to watch Seinfeld. You've got to watch Seinfeld. You've got to watch B-Movie. Mm. Those as well as these things. Yes. Um, well. We digressed. Yeah. Back to the action. Looking at one episode of Seinfeld and not knowing much else other than, you know, the involvement of Larry David and so on. So mm, on so this on. legacy. Yeah. Do you think that Seinfeld as a series is apart from that that misogyny, that other humour that I said was was it in the in England was moving away from at the time? Do you think Seinfeld was was good at that? It's difficult for itself in this episode. Um, generally, I think it was all right. It had a very grown up attitude towards friendships mm. after relationships. Well, generally, I think in the episodes, yeah. maybe not the stand up bit, but the episode bit. I thought, yeah. Was... Well, that's the thing is I couldn't tell because when I was writing down the bits that perhaps didn't age. Talking about checkbooks and VHS tapes is one thing, but also this idea that platonic relationships are worth identifying as such. You're friends with a lady, you've got a platonic relationship. Marge Simpson having brunch with a man who isn't her husband. Exactly. I find it, my generation, I find it really bizarre that you would think to differentiate a friendship with a girl from a friendship with a boy. And I mean, maybe there are differences in quality or flavour or whatever, but not worth demarking. Uh, I definitely think there's a thing with friendships with an ex. Oh, exes, yes, yes, yes. Regardless yeah. of gender. I think that's why different difficult. Oh, sorry, that's what I took yeah. from that from that episode. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because um, um, abs- oh, friendships with exes are weird and they are funny. Yeah, <laughs> weirdly, awkwardly funny. Yeah. No, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, I would. But that's the thing which I I maybe didn't link with is that um, you know I have a a medium to good relationship with my ex wife we are absolutely friendly terms but we don't we don't live near each other and we don't hang out and we haven't really seen each other that much mm. um, we're just on good terms which is fine so I haven't really been in the position of hanging out in a video store <laughs> with my ex or as happens. He goes with her to her friend's birthday. And he invites her to a family wedding. Yeah, and it, it seems to be awkward for each of them. And you're like, maybe we missed this in episode one. This was only episode two of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, why do it if it's going to be awkward? Like, even if you're going to be friends, why not be friends and watch TV together, but not go to a family wedding or a friend's birthday? Where apparently, well, yeah, he flirts with this girl and she's angry about it. Well, duh, duh. <laughs> you know, uh, yes, odd, odd, but maybe that is covered in episode one that they kind of set themselves this challenge of we can be adults about this. In fact, I bet he, you know, uh, I bet at some point in episode one he said we can be adults about this, and she was like, yeah, we should be able to. I, I reckon that that's the exact um, dialogue, it's the exact dialogue, yeah, okay. I would stake a big hoop. No. On it. Um, well, not, we should yeah. probably wrap things we up. Really should. We've been talking. So, final, final thoughts on Seinfeld. Um, I, I, I completely own it as my 
failure to not enjoy this thing, which is obviously done groundwork, good groundwork for comedy. I couldn't see it. I could not identify why it was good. And I apologise for that. Likewise, I appreciate the legacy. I couldn't tell the difference between that and any other standard American sitcom. Yeah. Which we're going to try some more of. We're going to do... I think the plan is to do a special like this for every every season of The Simpsons, a contemporary show. Yeah. I'm tempted... I've only ever heard the words Dharma and Greg. I have no idea to what that refers. I have no idea what you're talking about. Dharma and Greg is another one of these cultural touchstones which I did not touch. So... At some point, I'd like to see it, even if, even if it's not part of this. Just to go, oh, well, that's what that was. But that might be later in the 90s. I don't know. Well, let's, let's do some research. <laughs> no, no. Never research, never edit, never remember. Bye. Bye.